Let's look to the Lord and uh, pray. Uh, Father, we want to thank you for giving us life, physical life, but also spiritual life. We want to thank you for Gary Eifert today as he's not with us, but celebrating his uh, gift of life. And we want to thank you for Yvette that you brought to us this year, uh, that she's chosen to serve with us and to share in our joy as we worship you. We pray for your blessing upon her. We pray as she has some uh, practical needs, Lord, you can do it. So we just ask, show yourself strong on her behalf and bless her. Thank you for providing for her and the testimony uh, of your goodness. And now we want to pray, would you speak to our hearts? Would you help us to honor you as we look to your word? And we want to pray that you would help us not just to be hearers, but doers. We thank you that we can look to your word in freedom and in peace. Speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8, continuing in verse 13. And I see a theme in this passage about blindness, uh, both in an aspect of physical blindness, that Jesus is going to heal a person, an aspect of uh, what we would call spiritual blindness, the religious leaders, and in a sense, uh, a situational blindness. Um, you know, we sometimes say, oh, didn't see that coming, right? And it, it kind of gets us off guard, and that in a sense is like a situational blindness. And so today, uh, I kind of see that theme as that we were once blind, but uh, praise the Lord for his grace and his uh, amazing grace that now we can see. Um, I've had the opportunity, and Marta as well, to spend time with people that were blind. And we knew a young man in Israel, his name was Yevgeny. Uh, he became blind, and he remembered as a young person... Uh, watching a lot of television, he became blind. I don't remember what the circumstance was. And uh, we would have him at the church. We'd have him over to our home. Uh, someone would always help him because we had stairs and things, but he had uh, the cane and he was pretty mobile. And one day I was talking to Yevgeny and I said, Yevgeny, have you ever prayed that the Lord could heal you? And he says, yeah, I have, but you know what? I stopped praying. He says, uh, with my personality, I think I'm better off not seeing. Because uh, he thought there was too many temptations, right, through uh, television, through the Internet. And he says, I'm okay with being blind. And uh, reminds me a little bit of Jesus's words, right? If your eye causes you to sin, uh, you know, uh, I don't like that phrase, pluck it out. But uh, he kind of in a literal way said, I'm okay with being blind. But in reality... I think every sense that we have, we should just direct to the Lord. There is such a thing as spiritual blindness. And uh, we read a few verses uh, last week about the religious leaders um, from Mark's Gospel, chapter 8. It says in verse 11, the Pharisees came and began to dispute with him, meaning they were against Jesus, seeking from him a sign from heaven, testing him. So Jesus has been doing all kinds of signs, uh, multiplying the bread and the fish, uh, one time feeding over 5,000 men plus women and children, uh, multiplying the bread and fish, another time uh, that we just read last week, feeding 4,000 men plus women and children. And yet the religious leaders came not to say, wow, 
the signs, the evidence of the Messiah are here, but to say, hey, give us another sign, a sign from heaven, you know, maybe like a flash of lightning, um, something like that. And he says, uh, I say to you, no sign shall be given to this generation. So that generation, uh, the religious Jews of that time, they were an unbelieving generation. Um, even today in Israel, we uh, oftentimes see these people that have aspects of their dress that just don't match the culture. Um, the European Jews came back to Israel with these traditions. Uh, this big hat is made out of uh, a beaver hide. It's called a stramel. Uh, do you see the big hat that the guy has? There's actually, like, the, the bigger your hat is, the more um, predominance you have in the religious circles. Guess how much these hats cost? One hat normally starts around uh, $1,600. Uh, as I was looking at the cost, it said that there was a man in New York that had one, and it got stolen. It cost $8,000. Could you imagine just for a hat? But uh, to me, um, it's the outward focus, right? I'm okay with whatever tradition, but it's the outward focus. And I've seen these big guys with big, long uh, black coats on top of their suits and the hat. And it's summertime, and it's like 95 degrees. And then you see these big cheeks, uh, and they're like all red and sweaty. And I thought, you know what? Your tradition was good for Europe. It's not good for Israel. <laughs> And it reminds us that sometimes our traditions can be a barrier, can't they? And in this instance, uh, the religious Jews in the time of Jesus, and unfortunately, until today, they have a type of a spiritual blindness. Now let's look to the scripture. Uh, we're reading from Mark's Gospel, chapter 13. I'm sorry, chapter 8, uh, verse 13. I was looking at the 13 there. Chapter 8, verse 13 and following. And he left them, and getting into the boat again, departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. Then he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod. So it's important that we mention those verses previously that we uh, started talking about, that the Pharisees came to dispute with Jesus, they wanted more signs. Uh, the disciples, um, they hear bread and they start thinking the physical realm, right? But Jesus was trying to use bread uh, and especially the leaven, uh, put in normal bread as an example, as an illustration. He said to them, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Uh, in your mind, when you hear the leaven of the Pharisees, what does that equate to? What does it mean? Okay. What's that? All the rules. The rules? Uh, yeah, and um, Jesus actually tells us in other passages, and we'll get there, uh, but think about that concept. He's trying to speak to them, but the disciples, uh, they were concerned, oh no, we've forgotten to take bread, because remember, after the miracle, they had seven large baskets, and it must have been that they were over on the other side by... Uh, migdal uh, for a time they've been eating and now they only have just a simple loaf of bread uh, they're focused upon the physical 
Jesus tries to use the physical to bring a spiritual application. And that is often the case in the scripture, that he uses something practical like, hey, give me a drink of water. And she says, what, you're a religious Jew and you're asking water from me, a Samaritan? And he says, if you knew who it was that was asking for a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water, right? So he takes the physical and he brings it into the spiritual realm. And that's actually a wonderful way to share with people. Oh, what do you do for a living? I'm a carpenter. Hey, you know someone else is a carpenter, right? You know, you take whatever it is and you use it as a bridge to share the Lord. Uh, In the physical realm, leaven, if you think about it, we would call it yeast nowadays. It causes bread to expand. It multiplies, right? It starts something small and it grows. And interestingly enough, uh, leaven is a form of decomposition. Uh, It actually is breaking things down. Um, Spiritual leaven in the scripture speaks of hypocrisy, malice, and wickedness. Jesus says, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. The interesting thing is that the Pharisees didn't really want to do, have anything to do with Herod. But Jesus is pointing out that there's an aspect that the Pharisees and Herod have in common. And it's that there is hypocrisy and evilness. Um, We have this phrase, and most of us have this phrase very clearly in our mind, right? A little leaven leavens the whole lump or the whole loaf. And uh, that is a true thing. Um, One of the companies in San Francisco says that their yeast, you know, goes back to the 1800s. You know, just they keep using the same base, spreading it and making more and more sourdough bread. Don't you like sourdough bread? Martin and I do. When, when we were traveling, we didn't always get it. When we come back, she's like, oh, sourdough bread. Uh, Jesus says, take heed, right, or pay attention, be aware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. In Luke's gospel, he tells us specifically, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. We talked about hypocrisy last week. What would be the easiest way to express hypocrisy? Right? It's having an outward expression that doesn't match what's happening inwardly. Okay? It's wanting to put on a show outwardly, but inwardly it doesn't match. And Jesus goes on to say in Luke chapter 12, verse 1, For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. Therefore, Whatever you've spoken in the dark will be heard in the light. Uh, This reminds us it is important how we speak, isn't it? And sometimes, you know, you you can almost picture it in your mind. Well, not over there. Come come over here, right? And then it's kind of a whispering voice. And then basically it's gossip or it's slander. And uh, Jesus says, don't do that, because whatever you think you've spoken in the dark, where nobody's going to see or hear, will be heard in the light. Uh, I do believe that all of our sins are forgiven, but the Lord can show us that we could have progressed, we could have done more, but we held ourselves back because of the weaknesses of how we communicate and how we act And there is a passage in 1 Corinthians 13. It says that all of our works are going to be tried as if through fire. 
the ones that are done in honor of the Lord are going to be like gold and silver and precious metal. They're going to endure the fire. But the ones that are not are going to be like wood, hay and stubble. It's going to be consumed. It says that the person themselves will be saved, right? Yet through fire. There's going to be some humbling because the person lived in such a way. And uh, I remember in Ukraine one time, there was uh, a few people from different groups of churches that started coming to our church. And one day I saw that there was some tension between people. And after the service, it was almost like a big argument. It was definitely a dispute. And I just got so frustrated and I said, isn't there any holy place to you? (laughs) Because we were still in the church building. And, you know, sometimes people are just so passionate about whatever they're upset with, they don't care that it's even at a church, you know. Okay, service is over, let's have an argument. No, it shouldn't be like that. We need to be careful how we speak and when we speak and to whom we speak. Um, In that passage about the leaven, Paul says from 1 Corinthians 5, uh, verse 6 and following, Your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore, purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you are truly unleavened. So he's talking about the nature of who we are as believers, that we're no longer controlled by sin, we're new creation. And then he tells us, for indeed Christ, our Passover, and remember during the Passover, it's unleavened bread, it's symbolic. He was sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with the old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness. Right? So there are three things that I said that leaven represented. Hypocrisy, malice, which is the intent to do evil. Right? You're contemplating. And wickedness, which is living out in an evil way. So get rid of that old leaven. Be like an unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So you see the opposite, sincerity and truth. Uh, So again, uh, leaven equals hypocrisy in the scripture, showing something outwardly that is not true inwardly. Malice, which is the desire to do or cause pain, injury or distress, the desire to do evil and wickedness, which could be in the scriptural sense, a disregard for justice, righteousness and truth, Uh, evil in our thoughts and actions. So hypocrisy, malice, wickedness are indicators of what? Spiritual blindness. If these things are part of your life, then you really need to question how closely you're walking to the Lord or if you even know the Lord. And if you see that in a family member or a friend's life, you know, don't be afraid to con- confront them and say, look, God wants us to live in sincerity and truth. As followers of Jesus, we're not to be hypocrites. Um, when I was a teenager, I had a close friend that was a really strong believer in Jesus. And my dad came back to Jesus when I was a teenager. But you know what my excuse was? For not going to church basically there's too many hypocrites you know if they know Jesus teaching why are they living for themselves and I was the guilty one not them but for sure how we live does affect whether people come to church or they come to Jesus we are to live in sincerity and in truth 
hey, you want to give me a compliment? Say, he is a simple guy, right? Because I don't need to be, you know, real outwardly expressive or prideful. That is something that the scripture speaks against. We're to live in sincerity and in truth. Jesus redeemed us to free us. That's why we're called a new loaf, a new bread. He gave us his Holy Spirit to live in us so that we could live in the newness of life. The next one, uh, the next type of blindness is situational. Um, We're going to see that. It's better just to read the passage and you'll see what I mean when I say situational blindness. Continuing on in Mark's gospel now, verse 15. Then he charged them saying, take heed. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, Is it because we have no bread? But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, Why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? Okay, so they should understand, right, that he's not talking to them about physical bread. But they are thinking, Wait a second, is it because we forgot to bring the bread that he's bringing up the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod? And Jesus, you almost sense a little bit of frustration, don't you? Uh, Why do you reason because you have no bread? Of course, I'm putting the emphasis. Uh, We don't know how he spoke it. But he does say, do you not yet perceive nor understand? So in this situation, they're kind of blind. Because they were the very ones, uh, maybe weeks or a few months before, to see him bless the bread, break it, and it multiplied to feed over 5,000. And just within a few days, maybe a week, um, he had just done the same thing. And he told them in both situations that their heart was hard. So they didn't understand. uh, And he says here, is your heart still hardened? So uh, he says, having eyes, do you not see, right? This is why I call it situational blindness. Even as followers of Jesus, if we allow our hearts to become hard, and I have met some Christians who have hard hearts, right? Just destroy them all! (laughs) You know, and that's not the Lord's heart, right? Just because someone is doing something wrong doesn't mean that we need to ask for God's judgment. We all need his mercy. If we allow our hearts to become hard, we will often become clueless of how God is working. Or to the deeper lesson that the Lord is trying to teach us, right? He is wanting to teach us. He's wanting to work in and through our lives. But oftentimes we don't see it because our heart has become hard in the process. In challenging situations, do you focus upon the challenge or the one who is over all of the challenges? I love this uh, scripture from 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man or to all people. So it basically says whatever you're going through, other people are going through it as well. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Can you say amen? Right? Trust God in the difficulty. Don't focus upon the difficulty. He is greater than that difficulty. And if you get so focused upon the difficulty, uh, you're not going to see God's
greater plan. It's like being blind in the situation that you find yourself in. Jesus asks the questions, do you not perceive nor understand? Have you ever met a Christian that just doesn't seem to mature? It's like, don't you understand the basic aspects of walking with Jesus? He says, is your heart still hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? Um, You know, one of the most common exhortations in the New Testament is remember, right? And Peter, he even kind of, in a sense, seems to be embarrassed that he has to say it so many times. He says, it is necessary for me to stir you up again to remembrance, right? And if you have children or grandchildren, hey, you need to remind them. Think about God's faithfulness. Think about his goodness, Don't you remember how he provided for us? Don't you remember how he healed when we ask him to heal in that situation? And we stir people up to love and good works as we remember God's faithfulness. What should our response be to these questions? Do you not understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? Well, I think you can make it almost like a prayer. Lord, I lack understanding, right? You don't see clearly what to do. Lord, help me. I sense that my heart is hardened. Um, For a long time, Martin and I have done a really good job of living with one another as husband and wife. But we've been in some difficult times, and we've had some arguments, you know, sometimes because I thought we should go this direction, Marta thought something different, or, you know... I said, hey, it's okay for us to sleep on the floor in Nigeria. And she's like, honey, we need a refrigerator. And I was like, no, because we want to live like they do. And, you know, bring some argument. And at some point in time when you get an argument, especially with a spouse or a family member, you're like, oh, no, my heart is hard. And have you ever had it where you want to pray and you're like, I don't really think I should pray. My heart is hard. And uh, we've gone through that. And you know what? It is so much easier to deal with it than to not deal with it. Uh, You know, the simple concept, Lord, help me. My heart is hardened. Help me, God. I don't see how you're working this for my good. The scripture says clearly that he's working all things for good to those who love him and are called upon his name. But sometimes we need to ask him to help us to have spiritual vision and insight. Um, You know, I've gone through seasons where I came to the point where I said, I don't really think I'm hearing the Lord's voice very much. You can get so busy, you can understand what the scripture says. You can pray to the Lord, but then you realize, I'm not listening. And uh, Jesus says, do you have ears, but you don't hear? And, um, you know, a simple prayer. Help me, Jesus, I'm not hearing you. And then... Another one that we can apply, Lord, I want to remember all you're doing and have done for me. God is faithful. We need to align ourselves with who he is and remember his goodness. Continuing on, uh, it says, do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? How many baskets full of fragments did you take up? They said to him, 12. Also, when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? So they said, seven. 
So he said to them, how is it that you do not understand? Right? You're focused that we only have one loaf of bread. There's probably 13 people in the boat. Right? How are we going to eat with only one loaf of bread? And he's like, don't you remember the physical aspect? But now can't you see the spiritual aspect of what is happening? So uh, we understand uh, that Jesus is challenging them because they were focused upon the situation at that time. And um, he's implying that they're spiritually blind because they're not able to see the deeper meaning of what he's doing. Um, how many times do you think that Jesus would ask us, how is it that you don't understand, right? Um, it always is kind of repulsive to me, that phrase that Peter uses, it's like a dog that returns to its vomit, right? It's just a bad thing. Sometimes you've probably seen it in life, but there's another meaning, right? If you go back to the thing that you should be turning away from, you're not learning the lesson. And Jesus says to his own disciples, the ones that are distributing the bread and the loaves, uh, the loaves of bread and the fish, he says, how is it that you do not understand? Now we're going to switch to physical blindness. Uh, he comes in contact with this man. Uh, so they're in the boat. Uh, they started on the west side. Now they're moving to the northeast side to a town called Bethsaida. Bethsaida means the house. Uh, Bet or like Beth uh, means house and Seda is fisherman. So the house of fishermen. And let's continue from verse 22. So then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. Now, notice the action here, right? They're probably at the edge of the city or inside of the city. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of town. Isn't that beautiful? You know, uh, there's an old hymn, Take Me By The Hand, Lord. Um, and it says, he led him out of the town. So let's think about why that would happen. When he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and he said, I see men like trees walking. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Then he sent him away to his house saying, neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. Um, so one of the expectations of the coming Messiah would be a sign that he would do is that he would give sight to those that were blind in a, in a physical sense, that the coming Messiah would give sight to the blind. Um, and I see it as the most likely the reason why Jesus took him by the hand, took him out of the town and told him not to share is because he was probably taking practical steps to prevent the crowds of people from hailing him as the one in their mind, the Messiah, who would come to conquer the Romans. Uh, Jesus knew that his plan was not to overthrow the Romans, so he did this miracle and told the person not to share about it. For sure, the healing of the blind man was a sign. It was a sign to stir up the faith of the disciples. Now, this miracle is unique. Why is it unique? 
it's the only one that's recorded that's done in two phases, right? Where Jesus takes the spit, and we mentioned it before, that in the Hebrew mindset, and even in the Roman mindset, there were uh, discussions that spit had the capacity to heal. A scientist has done that. Um, if the spit comes directly from your spittle gland, not mixed into your mouth, it actually does help a wound heal. I just read that this week. But if it's through a bite, uh, the bacteria and the things in your teeth actually cause you to get an infection. So the spit itself has a healing property, but when it's mixed in your mouth, oftentimes um, you get uh, infection. But anyways, they had this expectation. Um, Jesus uh, shows that he is the Messiah. But why is it in two phases? Right? This is a unique miracle because he puts the spit on his eyes. He says, oh, I see people like trees, but they're walking. You know, it's, uh, and then he touches again and the man sees clearly. I believe it's a sign for the disciples. Right? Two times. Uh, I've broken the bread and the fish, distributed them, and you still have hardness of heart, right? Uh, are you going to be able to see now that I'm the Messiah? Uh, we're not told specifically, but it could be uh, that it was to stir up their faith and to say, yeah, this is not just a coincidence. It is Jesus in the power to heal. For sure, Jesus didn't do this. Be healed. Oh, that didn't work. You know, a little, that, that's not what happened. So if, when you tell the story, don't mess up the story. He didn't need more power. But sometimes in like Christian circles and healing time, uh, people act like that. Right. It didn't quite happen. So let's stir up our faith and have more. That's not what Jesus did. So we don't have a specific explanation. But for sure, we know that he wasn't lacking in power. He was the one that spoke and everything existed by his very word. Now, the last aspect I see in the passage that we're covering today is spiritual revelation, right? So we saw an aspect of spiritual blindness with the religious leaders. And now uh, we'll finish with these verses talking about spiritual revelation. Jesus and his disciples went out to the towns of Caesarea Philippi. So Caesarea Philippi is in honor uh, of Philip and Caesar, and it's in the very north of Israel. It's actually right at the border of what is modern-day Lebanon. And on the road, he asked his disciples, saying to them, Who do men say that I am? So they answered, John the Baptist, but some say Elijah, and others say one of the prophets. But he said to them, Who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said to him, You are the Christ, the Messiah. Then he strictly warned them that they should tell no one about him. So again, we see this um, connection that he didn't want the crowds to force him into the place of the, the coming anointed one, the coming king. Uh, they go along the road and he starts a discussion. And I think this is also a very good pattern, right? You can be um, maybe at a cash register or uh, somewhere in a supermarket and you say, hey, do you have anybody in your family that goes to church? Oh yeah, my grandma does. Uh, do you remember anything special about your grandma and her faith? 
yeah, well, you know, she prayed every day and she prayed for us. And how did she feel about Jesus? Oh, well, Jesus was the Savior, right? So you just had the person say the very message that you wanted to get to them. Who do others say that I am? And it's just a simple way to start a discussion. Hey, have you ever met anybody who follows Jesus? Yeah, what did they say about him? Well, they say that he's the only way to heaven, right? And so then they're telling the story that you want to emphasize. And then you switch it and you say, but who do you say that Jesus is? And you say, well, I know that he's a teacher. Well, he didn't come just to teach, right? He came to save. And so uh, you can use this uh, two questions as a form, and they obviously don't have to be word for word, but as a form of a way to start a conversation in the spiritual realm. And um, you might need to explain some words if you're talking to a person who's not a believer. Um, Christ is the Greek word, Christos, for the Hebrew word uh, Messiah, which is Mashiach. And it is literally the anointed one because they would anoint both priests and kings to fulfill that position. And so Jesus is anointed by the Father to come to bring salvation. In Matthew chapter 16, we read kind of an expanded uh, passage that we just read here in Mark chapter 8. Jesus answered and said to them, uh, after Simon Peter had his revelation that Jesus was the Christ, he said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. Bar is the Aramaic word for son, and Jonah, Jonah, that was his father's name. So he's saying, Simon, uh, son of Jonah, blessed are you, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Right. So this is why I call this passage spiritual revelation, because the Father revealed to, G to Simon that, G that Jesus was the coming Messiah. He says, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock, uh, so Peter means a little stone, but on the rock, which I believe is his confession, uh, I will build my church, right? That Jesus is the Messiah, the anointed one to pay for our sins and to give us true freedom. And the gates of Hades, uh, the place of the dead, sometimes interpreted hell, but a little bit different, shall not prevail against it, meaning against the church. So the Heavenly Father revealed to Peter that Jesus was the coming Messiah. Um, it was a spiritual revelation that God would form the church upon the proclamation that Jesus is the Messiah and that he would work through Peter as a vessel to become one of the ones that founded and established a foundation for the church. This is one of the first times that the concept of church is used in the Gospels. Um, so we've seen, right, with the religious leaders, a spiritual blindness. Um, for the most part, that was not corrected. A few of them, like Nicodemus, they became believers, but most of them, they remained blind. Uh, we saw situational blindness with the disciples that they didn't understand. And the reason was that their heart was hardened. But Jesus warned them of hypocrisy. And he showed them through revelation that he is the Messiah. And we understand that their perception then changed. They moved away from that 
situational blindness. And then we've also seen the physical blindness, the man who came to Jesus, Jesus healed him and gave his sight. Wouldn't that be wonderful? You know, just to see someone who is blind see. Most likely he became a believer and understood that Jesus was the promised Messiah, the Savior. Uh, For sure that blind man could say, I once was blind, right? But now I see. Uh, Peter could say, I once was blind, but now I see. And can you say that? Uh, Do you have spiritual insight? You know, and we need spiritual insight. Uh, A few weeks ago, I wanted to share a passage from the scripture and uh, the book of Chronicles that says that the sons of Issachar had understanding to understand the signs of their time. And we need that spiritual insight. Um, we should be able to say, now I see, right? And we should also be able to help others turn from a wicked life, turn from hypocrisy, and to see Jesus as the only way to heaven. You know, there are doctors that are able to restore certain types of blindness. Uh, This was a doctor uh, restoring blindness to a young boy in Vietnam. I think it would be amazing, right, to see someone open their eyes after the surgery and say, wow, I see. But there's also a great joy to have someone turn from darkness to Jesus, to his light, and to be able to experience spiritual vision. And sharing the good news grants people spiritual sight and salvation, and it brings us tremendous joy. Um, Ask for greater boldness. The days around us are going to get darker, but we should not become bashful. We should become brighter, brighter as we share the good news of Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, would you show us if there's any wicked way within us if there's any hypocrisy, that we could release it to you, knowing that you came to set the captives free. And Father, would you empower us by your Holy Spirit that we could share your truth with those that are in need. Instead of becoming upset when people are different from us or aggressive towards us, may we be shining your love and your light brighter. We need you, Lord. We need your spiritual insight Many of us are walking into times that we've never experienced before, seeing such a big shift in society. Help us that we won't grow weary in doing good, but remember that we will reap a harvest if we do not lose heart. Put your call upon us. Empower us by your Spirit and use us for your kingdom. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.